Kansas anymore. Are you ready? No, I'm just getting warmed up. This task was appointed to you. I said I want the truth! I say we take off and loop the entire site in Dodge this. Hello listeners, I'm Billy, and after all, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love me. Well, I'm actually sitting in front of two people asking them to get excited about rom-coms this week. (laughs) So the quote that I very ineptly just delivered is actually from the 1999 smash hit Notting Hill, um, which would you believe is turning 20 this year? (laughs) Alongside this London-based swoon fest, a number of other cult classics are also having their 20th birthday in 2019. More on those later. So romantic comedies or rom-coms, as everyone knows them, are still a staple of our screens, even though today they might be seen in a slightly different guise. To discuss this genre and the film's classifications, I'm joined by our compliance manager, Sarah. Hello. (laughs) Can I just say that your um, quote of Notting Hill was amazing? (laughs) Thank you very much, Sarah. (laughs) I I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) Um, So you may remember Sarah from our wonderful Christmas podcast, um, where she did actually recommend a rom-com. Yep, that was while you were sleeping. Um, And we did employ you all to go and watch that but I don't know how many of you did so this week we won't be talking about while you were sleeping even Mm. though I would love to no unfortunately so alongside Sarah we have our wonderful Chris who is a compliance officer who a while back you may have heard him on our reclassifications podcast which was a discussion on uh, when films come back into the BBFC yeah, well, it's lovely to be back, and potentially there might be a little bit on reclassification later on. So, yes, that to look forward to. Absolutely. So, the romantic comedy has been around since films basically began. It's a fantastic genre that has such a wealth of examples to cover off. So, how about we first go back to the silver screen? Sarah, do you have any classics that would be worth highlighting? I do. I actually have another of my favourite films to whip out of the bag for the BBFC <laughs> podcast, um, and that is... Um, it happened one night from 1934 um, with Clark Gable, who is one of my favourite actors. So It Happened One Night is directed by Frank Capra and it stars Clark Gable and Claudette Colbert and it's from 1934 and the film actually has quite an interesting history in terms of classification but we don't actually have the original file from 1934 um, because most of the BBFC's archives from that period is missing because it was destroyed uh, when the BBFC was hit by a bomb during World War II. Um, That being said, the film is, we do know that the film originally received an A from the BBFC in 1934 and then when it came back in 1986 on video we classified it U. So the film is about Claudette Colbert who is a pampered socialite who tries to get out from under her father's thumb um, and while she is going on an adventure she falls in love with the roguish reporter played by Clark Gable. The plot's based on 1933 short story Night Bus which was the original shooting title for the film. While it's quite sad that we don't have the original um, examiner reports from 1934 one quite nice anecdote which suggests that sort of the public reaction to the film, particularly in America for example, was there's a scene in the film which Clark Gable removes his shirt to reveal that he's not wearing an undershirt. Shocking. I know. And because of that sales in undershirts went down. So that sort of suggests um, and hints at how risque and quite shocking the film was when it came out in 1934. Obviously it was made before the Hollywood Code. So what's the classification for It Happened One Night? So It Happened One Night is classified a U. Uh, that decision was made in 1986. But when the film originally came in, in 1934, the BBFC gave it an A. 
It Happened One Night is kind of considered a screwball comedy or a screwball romantic comedy, isn't it? They were quite popular around the 1930s, early, early to mid 40s. Yeah, they really were. There were so many screwball comedies that came out in the 30s and 40s, and they were really notable for really sharp, witty uh, script writing. Mm-hmm. And one kind of really key example of that is His Girl Friday from 1940. His Girl Friday is Howard Hawke's screwball comedy uh, starring Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell. Um, Cary Grant's obviously such a notable figure from Absolutely. for this genre. He's one of my mum's favourites. <laughs> and His Girl Friday, again, was originally classified A by the BBFC in 1940s. So the film is about a newsman called Walter Byrne who is really excited to see his ex-wife, Hildy, uh, when she arrives at the newspaper office that he's working at. However, he's really gutted to find out that she's getting married and Walter decides that he wants to try and win her back and the film is about their chemistry as he tries to do that and the film is now classified you for mild innuendo and very mild threat. Also a great addition with His Girl Friday is that the character of Hildy I think she has a um, she's a pet leopard. She does she does. Which is just fantastic. Amazing. (laughs) It's an amazingly classy and very very stylish pet to have. (laughs) Fantastic so you've been talking about really fast and snappy dialogue there which is quite synonymous with a a certain type of rom-com. I mean, that kind of the back and forth between characters is really um, quite a staple in the romantic comedy genre. And what we would say on that element is the only director, really, that you've got to kind of talk about when you're talking about really snappy dialogue is Nora Ephron. Chris, out of Ephron's films, what would you say is a rom-com worth mentioning with snappy dialogue? (laughs) Well, uh, Narrow it down for us. I was going to say, there's there's so many to choose from. I mean, Sleepless in Seattle is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got Mail is one of my personal favourites, which itself is like a remake of one of the old like classic silver mm. screen one, a shop yeah. around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the one that kind of really stands out for me, uh, and not just because we're both turning 30 this year, uh, <laughs> is 1989's When Harry Met Sally. And, and that's actually one where I think Nora's dialogue really like pops under someone else's direction. Mm. Like, the film's directed by Rob Reiner. And so for anyone who hasn't seen the film, it stars Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan as the eponymous Harry and Sally. Uh, who meet each other in the late 70s when they take kind of a long road trip together mm. uh, and they kind of start this like amazing dialogue and exchange because initially they really don't like each other and you know it kind of grows from there but mm. the lead kind of topic of their conversation is whether a man and a woman can be friends without sex coming in the way mm. uh, and then they kind of meet up over various times and their relationship starts to grow from there and that kind of central kind of thesis becomes like the main topic throughout the film. And it all kind of leads to you know, some of the great iconic scenes of cinema. You know, there's an amazing declaration of love at a New Year's Eve party. Mm. And there's a, a really famous scene in a deli, which is maybe a little bit too raunchy to, uh, to go into depth. <laughs> but it leaves us all wanting to have what she's having. Mm-hmm. Um, Certainly a lot raunchier than my Clark Gable anecdote. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, this, <laughs> and that's a great point to kind of raise up because... Uh, when you look at those kind of 90s films from mm. Nora Ephron, like Sleeps in Seattle and You've Got Mail, mm-hmm. um, not only do they kind of really hark back to the kind of more innocent uh, films from the kind of 40s and 50s Definitely. where they couldn't really go into a lot of kind of discussion on sex and like uh, Nora Ephron's versions of those films kind of, they are kind of quite sweet in their own way. They kind of allude to certain issues, but they're also quite restrained in it. So both mm. of those films are rated PG. But in the case of When Harry Met Sally, uh, that was originally seen by us in 1989 and received a 15 certificate. Mm-hmm. Um lead issue is strong language but also because the film kind of discusses sex a lot more and that was also one of the issues so um, in the ratings info we note moderate sex references as well Mm -hmm. Uh, and although the film has been seen a couple more times since then it's maintained that 15 up until today 
After the popularity of films such as Harry Met Sally, um, as we move on into the 90s, um, we have a wave of romantic comedies that received box office success as well as cult status over time. Films like Clueless and Never Been Kissed impacted everything from language to fashion. I mean, we're still feeling those impacts now. Um, would uh, We would be also remiss when discussing 90s rom-coms if we didn't mention Hugh Grant. Chris, we mentioned Notting Hill turns 20 at the top of the podcast. For the three people in the world, approximately who haven't seen the film why don't you give us a brief summary of the film and its classification I was going to say there's a whole three people who haven't seen it even, <laughs> even my dad has seen Notting Hill which is saying something uh, but yeah for those people maybe like a whole new generation perhaps coming up and seeing it now potentially um, yeah the film stars Hugh Grant as a bookshop owner in you'll never guess where Notting Hill um, <laughs> who meets this amazingly talented glamorous amazing Hollywood film star played by Julia Roberts and I'm sure it's a real stretch for her getting mm-hmm. into character you know, we kind of led to this uh, chance encounter and whether this can like, blossom into a full relationship. Can these two people from such different worlds kind of make Aikens meet? They had that um, classic moment, did they? A proper meet cute. They really bumped it. They literally bumped, bumped into, into each, each other. other. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, you know, Notting Hill is such a charming film. And it's a real kind of you know, example of the genre. Like Richard Curtis, you know, this is five years after he'd done uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral or so mm. with Hugh Grant. And the film was it's like perfect example of a rom-com in that its core is essentially like this fantasy of... You know, this amazing love story. Mm. Um, you know, these people who you know, will never quite be like us, like will never be quite as glamorous as Julia Roberts or as handsome as Hugh Grant or be mm. able to afford a house in Notting Hill. Um, <laughs> and uh, the film was rated 15 when it first came out, which yep. was back in 1999. And at the time, our classification guidelines when it came to strong language were a lot stricter than they are now. Mm. So the film only has like a couple of uses of strong language. I think one of them is written across a character's T-shirt. Uh-huh. But at the time, it was felt like this was a little bit too much for 12. So the film was rated 15 for strong language and moderate sex references. Mm-hmm. But this is one of those cases where... Where uh, the film was last seen by us in 2000, when it was still under the same kind of guidelines. Yeah. So it's the potential we can't say like absolutely, as we mentioned in the reclassification podcast. Yeah. Like the the thing that we always talk about is is the existing classification reasonable and defensible. Mm-hmm. But this is one of those cases where perhaps if it came in again and we saw it, and there is the potential it might be downgraded to a 12A nowadays mm. under the current classification guidelines. Definitely. Um, but it's still just such a charming film, and it was a, a huge box office hit when it came out. No, absolutely. I think it is always worth reminding listeners that um, obviously we can't freely turn around and just say, oh, that can be a different classification now. We have to wait until the distributor brings the film back in. So there are quite a lot of films out there that are still upholding um, classifications that may potentially be different, but it's totally at the... um, discretion of the distributor Absolutely. to bring the film back in. Sarah, Notting Hill may have been incredibly popular in 1990, but what other rom-coms from that year have continued to be enjoyed 20 years on? So one of my favourite rom-coms is 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, so this is an example of all those American 90s teen rom-coms that I must say I grew up on completely. Same here. And kind of one of the reasons why I got into the film industry in the first place. So 10 Things I Hate About You is a contemporary reworking of Shakespeare's The Taming of the Shrew. Mm-hmm. So the film stars Julia Stiles, who plays a rebellious character who shuns herself from sort of the school society. Her younger sister, Bianca, is the complete opposite of her, and she is quite popular. She wants to be um, noticed in the high school society. Mm-hmm. So enter Heath Ledger, and he plays a mysterious, handsome young man called Patrick Verona, and he 
basically is paid to try and seduce our heroine, Kat Stratford. To um, ensure that Bianca can go on a date. To ensure that Bianca can go on a <laughs> date. Very complicated. It is very complicated. <laughs> so, um, obviously, that's a really great summary of the film, uh, this complex story. Yeah. Um, what's the uh, classification, Sarah? Um, well, you'll be all pleased to know that the classification is a lot more straightforward than the plot <laughs> and my attempts to summarise it. So the film is rated 12 with the ratings info, moderate language and sex references. And this is actually quite a common ratings info formulation for films, romantic comedies that are pitched at sort of a younger audience. Obviously, its treatment of issues such as sex is pitched in a way that is supposed to be more appropriate for younger teed audiences. So you can see quite a big difference there between how sex is discussed in something like 10 Things I Hate About You um, in comparison to When Harry Met Sally, which is probably aimed at more of an older audience and encapsulates more of a, a, an experience of relationships that is more likely to be familiar with adults. It's great to hear about um, 10 Things I Hate About You, the multi-layered film, as we've already mentioned. <laughs> um, as with all genres of film, the appetite for romantic comedies certainly fluctuated over the years. In recent years, we've had an influx of rom-coms that have been popularly received. Films such as Love, Simon, Crazy Rich Asians, for example. Do either of you have any examples of rom-coms that would be worth mentioning that have come out recently? Yeah, um, we've got a really recent example from Netflix called Isn't It Romantic? So this stars Rebel Wilson as a young woman who is a bit disillusioned with her romantic life and she gets mugged, which is quite sad. Um, and then she... Not ideal. <laughs> and then she bumps her head. And when she wakes up from bumping her head, she finds herself in a romantic comedy world. So everything, sort of all the conventions and tropes of romantic comedy start happening to her. Also, it becomes this incredibly like saturated image doesn't it so New York becomes rom-com New York it's exactly. all really bright colours and it's um, New York's unbelievably clean and um, it just looks really uh, saccharine and kind of um, it's a fantasy world absolutely actually. Yeah, so all of these romantic comedy conventions start happening to Rebel Wilson and because of that she's starting to open up a bit more in her emotional and romantic life and starting to believe that actually maybe this romantic possibility is open to her as well. And over the course of the film she, of course, discovers that perhaps the person she thought she should be in love with is probably not the one for her. Um, and I don't want to ruin the film because it is available on, on Netflix for you to watch, but it's quite a good example of, you know, a contemporary rom-com. Rom and quite similarly to the ratings info for 10 Things I Hate About You, mm -hmm. um, it's classified 12 for infrequent strong language, moderate sex references um, and drug references. Fantastic. So, and finally, after we've covered off a, a really nice uh, mixture of different films there, um, ignoring all of those films that we've just spoken about. Do you have any recommended rom-coms for our audience and what would they be and why? You go first, Chris. Oh, okay. This is really hard because I, I, I really love this genre. And it's it's so fun, isn't it? It's well, just it's one so of those really nice... Like, it's not just about like the romance elements and things as well because some of these films have like these big ensemble casts and things. Mm. So like the films that are really about like friendship as well. Mm. Like, you look at a lot of those Richard Curtis films. Like I have a real soft spot for About Time and then you, you, know, you look back at Notting Hill as well with the Reese Siffins characters. There's a lot of like great supporting ones in there. Bridget Jones is great as well. Uh, I was lucky enough to do the classification for Bridget Jones's baby here, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm ashamed to say I sobbed my eyes out <laughs> at the end of it. It's just very embarrassing. <laughs> Something about whenever like parents are presenting like hold their baby for the first time, it just gets me. Oh, uh, I can't seem to do an episode of uh, Call the Midwife without uh, as well. Um, <laughs> but I think if I had to pick one, I'm going to try and find something that's a bit more unusual that maybe you know people haven't quite seen. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a film from 2011 called Beginners mm. uh, with Hugh McGregor and Christopher Plummer. Mm -hmm. 
And it's more of a kind of like rom-com drama, you say. It's like got some quite tragic elements to it. Mm-hmm. But it's a film where it's kind of set across two timelines. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them in which uh, Christopher Plummer, in his later years, comes out as gay finally. And obviously because of like the year that he was growing up, he couldn't be open about his sexuality. Mm-hmm. And it's around this time he also gets a cancer diagnosis. So it's kind of this like happy but tragic story of him trying to fit this whole life and experience and things in this like finite amount of time that he's yeah. got left. And set against that is his son, Ian McGregor, kind of dealing with the grief of uh, what's happening with his dad, but also falling in love with the woman at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just like this amazing like mix of like you know happy and sad and you know funny and tragic and just bringing all these different emotions and things together. And I think it's a really moving, really powerful film. Sounds like a fantastic film, Chris. What's the classification for it just for the audience? Uh, so that's a 15 for strong language and sex references. Oh, fantastic. And Sarah, what would you um, have as your recommendation? I know this is quite difficult for you because you've got to narrow down a long list of I know. well-loved Can films. Can you tell I like rom-coms? <laughs> <laughs> well, similarly with Chris, I wanted to pick something a little bit different or perhaps something that people haven't seen as, as widely. Mm. Um, so I'm going to select Desiree Akavan's 2015 debut, Appropriate Behaviour. Mm-hmm. Um, so Desiree Akavan, she writes, directs and stars in this film. And she plays Shirin, a bisexual Persian American woman who is living in Brooklyn. And we when we meet Shirin, she's just recently broken up with her girlfriend, mm. Maxine. And she's basically starting to figure out what she wants in life. Um, mm-hmm. And that's sort of the setup for the film. It's classified 15 for infrequent, very strong language, strong sex sex references and drug misuse um, so there's, it's, there's quite a heady mix of issues in the film Absolutely. Um, and some of the sort of scenes of strong sex and sex references are quite strong um, but they fall quite neatly within the 15 category and I'd say fans of shows such as Broad City Girls or the BBC's Fleabag would quite like this film. So those are really uh, great examples of films that are a little bit off the beaten track as you said they're always films that people have quite a close association with so it's nice to kind of understand the classification side of those as well as just kind of talking about how much we love them mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so again thank you so much for coming on the podcast Sarah and Chris I know for a fact that the next rainy day we have I won't be struggling to make a decision on what to watch <laughs> um, and don't forget uh, you can tell us what you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast by emailing us on podcast at bbfc.co.uk or tweeting us at bbfc we also have a new Facebook page um, Woo. like <laughs> us on our Facebook page um, to see a regular stream of interesting content case studies and recommendations search British Board of Film classification and hit like and if you want our ratings on the go um, or a new place to listen to our dulcet tones download our app from the app store or google play we also have a spotify account where you can listen to these podcasts so we are everywhere now it's fantastic Um, and we'll be back soon with another look at bbfc classifications from past and present goodbye bye bye